Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeky for Friday, February 5th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, I am joined by my co-host, NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer, John DeShazer, along with WWL radio color analyst and, of course, Saints legend, Saints Hall of Famer, Deuce McAllister. Deuce, I feel like uh, Saints fans and everyone is so used to hearing from you and Zach every game week for, you know, several weeks out of the year. There are a lot, there's a lot of lead up and then everything comes to kind of a screeching halt. So how have you been? What, what have you been up to over the last few weeks? I've been in mourning like our fans and probably our players. And, you know, it's probably a little hard, particularly because one of your division rivals, um, the team that put you out, has advanced on to the big game. And so um, for myself, probably have not watched a lot of sports, particularly football, when you talk about the football shows and uh, just really been watching some basketball and just trying to catch up on some other things that you kind of miss um, while the season is going on. Deuce, I've seen this go both ways. I've seen teams who were eliminated, who were in the same division, want their division rival to win it, to keep it in, in-house. And I've seen them want to get that, see that division rival, get the brakes beat off of them because they're a division rival and they don't want them to have any bragging rights. Which side of the fence are you falling on? I am definitely falling on. I don't want to see my division rival win the <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, from a personal standpoint, you have a lot of friends on both of those teams, uh, you know, and even from Tampa Bay, you have some personal relationship with a lot of those guys. But look, I'm, I, I, I don't want to have to deal with Warren Sapp talking noise about they've won another Super Bowl or, you know, you talk about Brooks or Sean King, you know, even though these guys aren't there playing right now, that's their team that, you know, and so I, I don't want to have to deal with that. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for you guys, but I'm, I'm not really pulling for them. I forgot all about Sean King, man. You still keep in touch with Sean? He's, he's doing all right. still doing good. Sean was over at IMG. I mean, so he still keeps his presence down there in Tampa as far as, you know, family and doing some different stuff. So a lot of those guys, uh, you know, you talk about Brooks, you talk about Derek, you talk about Lynch, even Sheldon, you know, particularly some of the linebackers, guys that I went up against, uh, you know, we still keep in touch or at least see each other enough. And look, Bruce Arians, I've known Bruce since I was in eighth grade. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about goes back to middle school. Uh, that's how long I've known Bruce and uh, even a couple more of his staff. Uh, Goody was, uh, John, uh, Goody's brother is on that staff as well, our former uh, center. So, I mean, his brother is on that staff as well. Um, but, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not pulling for him. I mean, when you talk about having to face those guys twice a year, uh, I, I, I'm just not pulling for him. You know, Bruce Arians, back when he had hair and he was on the Saints staff, was the guy who introduced me to the term Egg Bowl. I'm from so I didn't know anything about Egg Bowl, to be honest with you. I mean, I just knew Mississippi and, you know, Mississippi State played the game, but I didn't know they called it the Egg Bowl. So mm-hmm. I just, I was dying laughing because I had no idea it was a real thing. And um, Bruce kind of looked at me like, you know, fool? <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> so that's one of my first memories of Bruce. But what do you think? about the job he's been able to do with Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, they had a little bit of a, of a, a rocky start, even this season, a bit of a rocky start or rockier than they maybe anticipated, but here they are in the Super Bowl. Well, I think one of the things that really um, you see, and, and it's almost been in phases for them as a team, as far as some of the things that they've been able to do. Uh, and, and I think it was really just trying to figure out, okay, who are we? You know, what do we want to be as far as a team is concerned? You know what you have in Brady, and you know some of the things that he can do. 
you know, and early on, he was probably throwing the football all over the field. You know, you talk about the weapons that they have on the outside. You talk about Gronkowski, you know, and then you look at break, some of the things that he's been able to do. But I really think the latter part of the season, it's two key things that has happened to them. Their defense, really that front seven has been able to step up and play outstanding. I mean, uh, they've always been stingy when you talk about running uh, the football against me. You've not been able to do that a lot. Uh, but I think when you talk about that front seven, not allowing teams to run the football and then their ability to run the football. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, particularly Leonard, that second half of the season, he's been a different maker for him. Early in the season, Leonard wasn't even getting to run. He wasn't even getting to play. You know, he, he, he would get spot duty four or five plays. And whether that was getting comfortable as far as in the system or whether that was just they felt like Ronald Jones gave them a different dimension, whatever it was, early in the season, that wasn't the case. You know, in the second half of the season, they've really changed to a heavy play action team. Uh, we'll, we are going to run the football. I've always liked their offensive line as far as run blocking is concerned. I think that they've probably overachieved a little bit as far as pass blockers are over concerned, particularly as individuals. Now, as a whole unit, they've been really, really good, particularly uh, I think when you look at the right tackle, Wilfs, and some of the things that he's been able to give you. Uh, there, there are a lot of teams that missed on him. I mean, because he has played as a top 10 pick, that right tackle interior. You talk about Alice Kappa uh, and some of the things he's been able to do. You talk about Jensen, some of the things he's been able to do. But it's really been, you know, Donovan Smith at that left tackle, I thought was probably the weakest link. And he's been able to play better, you know, particularly over the playoffs or at least the last uh, three regular season games and the playoffs. So Bruce has done a really nice job of just being able to marry the systems, his systems, as well as what Brady likes to do from an offensive standpoint. You also see since their break, a lot of shifts. You'll see a lot of motions. That was not anything that they were doing earlier in the season. You know, I know Saints uh, defensive end Trey Hendrickson would probably love to shake Donovan Smith's hand um, this offseason because, you know, <laughs> that worked out pretty well for Trey. But you mentioned, you mentioned that defense, Deuce. They turn you over. Uh, they turn you over. And I know it's cliche, but do people – you played the game. Do people have a good understanding of how how mag magnificent it is when you've got a defense that turns the opposing offense over? Well, here's here's a couple of things when you look at that defense. One, you want to know how the referee crew is going to allow you to play. I mean, because their mm-hmm. cornerbacks. One of the things that I've I've always said with their corners, and this and and this will be something to watch this weekend. They have bigger corners. They have guys that are probably more so safeties at corners. They have tight hips, so they don't twist. They don't open up as well. When you talk about making speed cuts or sudden uh, cuts, their corners, they, they can't do that because they're so big. And so, you know, when you talk about running and smaller receiver, that's why Tyreek Hill, yes, he's a really good receiver, but his ability to be able to cut off the inside of his foot or to make us quick, sudden, uh, move that bothers them and so w- w- my, my point was when you talk about the refs and how they allow them to play physical that fits into what they want to do I mean because they want to get their hands on you if they don't get their hands on you they're going to get beat and so their defensive backs if the refs are going to allow them to be able to play physical not only at the line of scrimmage but just to be able to pull to jerk to be able to push a little bit that fits to what they want to do because if I can't do that then they, they, they don't match up well with you. I mean, because 
They're not a group. Uh, they're not a group that can just play zone and play coverage uh, and, and, and keep everything in front of them. They want to be able to run. They want to be able to bump. And so for them, uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it's almost like phantom and feast as far as we're either going to shut you completely down or you're going to burn us because you're going to be completely open. Now, the way that that happens is it's because of that front set. You have Vita Vey that's getting pressure. You have Indomitian Sue inside that's getting pressure. You have JPP on the outside. Uh, and, and, and so when you look at those matchups where Shaq Barrett is one-on-one, JPP is one-on-one, how do we kind of count? Who do I give help to? And I think that is probably the biggest uh, question mark when you look at this game. Can Kansas City, who is down – when you look at it, you know, uh, obviously one of their the, the, their linemen, the, the young man that's a doctor, I can't think of his name right now, or I can't say his name mm-hmm. right now, but he opted out. So he was the mm-hmm. first player um, to opt out because of COVID. He's helping patients up in Canada. But potentially, Kansas City will be without four starters on the offensive line. Now, I love Patrick Mahomes. He's a heck of a talent. <laughs> but that's a lot to overcome. That is a lot to overcome. And so um, it, it, it will truly be three starters because the fourth guy didn't play at all this year. But they're still without three starters on the offensive line. You won't have Fisher. You won't you won't have Swartz as far as your right tackles are concerned. And so also they're missing a guard inside. Man, that's – Patrick Mahomes will have to be special. And he's special. But with that front seven, as far as being able to rush the passer and – guys that are not normally in that position up front for you. That's a lot. I almost just got caught listening and forgot that I was a host of this podcast. (laughs) I just, you just went on um, for so long, so much good insight there, Deuce. But when you talk about, you know, Patrick Mahomes, isn't, if anyone in the league can overcome that offensive line, wouldn't you think it could be Patrick Mahomes because he can do so much? Well, the, the, the thing that Tampa is going to either say that we're going to do is we're going to allow our front four to really just to get after you and play coverage on the back end, or we're going to send pressure and try to make sure that we can keep a guy maybe over the top or the refs are going to allow us to play physical at the line of scrimmage and not let Patrick kind of drift. If you've watched him and, and you see it, he, he, he does things that normally you tell quarterbacks, look, you can't do that. Right. You know? <laughs> You, you, you can't throw across your body or you can't drift because your arm is not strong enough to be able to throw it 40, 50 yards down the field still on time. He does that and he's able to get away with it because he has that type of talent. So if I'm Tampa, you know, I'm going to mix, mix it up and see if my front four can get pressure and I can play coverage. But if not, I'm bringing an extra guy because I have to try to figure out, uh, can I hurry him up? Can that process be sped up where he just can't drift, 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 and his receiver eventually gets open, or he has enough time where it's normally two seconds, three seconds to be able to get the football out, where he's turned that into five seconds. And like I said, the matchup isn't very good on the back end for Tampa because of the type of receivers that Kansas City, they have. Deuce, the, the, the Saints didn't beat Kansas City, obviously, gave up 32 points, but it seemed like, you know, for a 32 point allowance, a pretty good defensive mindset and a pretty good defensive scheme in that game. Is that a, a scheme that can beat Kansas City? Yeah, I think so. It, it, it's a scheme that can beat them, but you also have to be willing to say, hey, look, 
we're going to play coverage. We're going to drop eight. And so I don't know how comfortable Tampa Bay is going to be willing to do that just because um, when you talk about having the right personnel, they don't have that type of personnel. You know, they mm-hmm. don't have zone guys that can just sit in a zone and be able to come up and rally the football. Now, they've got to be able to do it some. I mean, you just can't go a whole game and and, and, and tell Mahomes, hey, look, we're going to play man-to-man. We're going to play quarters. And those are the only two coverages you're going to see. You know, uh, Kansas City will use motion to try to uh, identify. Kansas City will use shifts to try to identify exactly what Tampa Bay is doing to them from that standpoint. So uh, Todd Bowles is going to have to mix it up. But I think, you know, the Saints were willing to play, play coverage and then say, once we get in the red zone, we'll, we'll tighten it down where you don't have the whole field to be able to let Tyreek Hill be able to beat you. Looking at the Tampa Bay offense and looking from the outside in, but having that NFL player experience and being in the locker room with someone and a quarterback who has the ability to take over a game and take over a locker room, Deuce, what makes Tom Brady so different in the months of January and February? What what switch flips for him that makes him excel so much in the playoffs and in the late season? Preparation and experience. It's preparation and experience and, and having an answer for every situation that comes about. And so, you know, obviously when you have elite talent, that definitely helps. And then to be able to get the football and have his guys ready to play. But when you look at it, you know, there are not a lot of people on that roster that have the experience. You know, you can talk about Tom has it, uh, you know, Pierre Paul has it. There's a couple guys that have that Super Bowl experience, but it's going to be butterflies. I don't care what they tell you. There will be butterflies from, from, from that group just because they haven't been there. And then here's the other thing. We, 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 we've talked about Tampa playing at home, being that first team, to have that situation, to be in that situation. Well, how much of a headache has it been for you to still be worrying about tickets? You know, for you to still be worrying about who's staying at my house, you know, who's coming into town, yeah. uh, my friends that just want to hang out, even if I'm not with them. Unless you're just turning your, 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 your phone off, they're there. They want to be a part of it. And so it's a blessing and a curse because – when you go to another city, I may only have five people. I may only have six people. Well, now, man, I got 35 folks. You know, they all they all in town. You know, I got 40 people. And, and, and because of COVID, I may not can see them or hang out with them. And that may be every player. I mean, I, that may be a few players. But you can't tell me all 53 or all 70 players, whatever it is, practice squad and everything. They're, they're not. I got 35 people in town. I'm hanging out with 35 of my, you know, my, my family members. And so how much of that, uh, I don't necessarily say from a preparation standpoint, but from just a headache from dealing with it. Uh, and then this being my first experience because the player experiences the playing field, but the family experiences, they, they experience the Super Bowl. I mean, and so uh, it's just interesting to see how they, how they've handled that. And then the stress that it brings about as well. You have your kindergarten art teach- teacher calling you saying, I want to come to the game. <laughs> uh, who, te- who teaches Who teaches your son? And, you know, right. he's, he's been wearing this and, you know, he's he, he, he got on his puber and, you know, it's just they're, 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 they're excited, they're happy, but it's something that you deal with as well. And it, it, it's the side part where you want to try to block it out. It's, it, it's hard to do. 
Well, you talk about those butterflies, Deuce. How much of, of an advantage or do the does the advantage lie with the Kansas City Chiefs after just being there last year? Like the majority of the people, uh, the players on those teams were there just the last year. They know what it takes to win a Super Bowl. They know that they can do it. How much of an advantage is that for the Chiefs? Well, from a preparation standpoint, I think they're fine. And then the expectation is, you know, all of the hoopla that goes around, I think they're fine. Now, what's interesting, and, and, and some of this obviously is because of COVID, uh, Kansas City isn't flying in until Saturday night. They're not in Tampa. They've been, in, they've been at home this whole time. And so that's completely different for the NFL as well as for the visiting team to not even be in the city. To, to, to not even be in the city is, is unheard of. And so they'll fly in. You know, you talk about you want to get acclimated to it. There's no acclimation. I mean, for, for, for them, they'll go to the field, they'll take a picture. You know, there, there's a couple things that they have to do as far as the NFL is concerned. But outside of that, you know, we're just coming here to play a game. Right. But this is the Super Bowl. And so um, a lot of that has been removed from them just because they're not there around the hoopla. And everybody, you know, if you're covering Kansas City, you've had to go out there. You know, it, it's not like you can go across town. They're, they're practicing at South Florida or something like that, you know. They're, they're, they're back at home. And so um, Andy Reid and his staff has tried to make it, and obviously this is because of COVID, but they've tried to make it as normal as possible. I'll tell you what, nobody's happier than that, than the uh, media who covers Kansas City. Yeah. Their bosses, because they ain't got to spend that hotel money. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Leonard Fournette of Tampa Bay, uh, St. Augustine High here in New Orleans. Uh, so we got to flip it. Kansas City's got the safety, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Um, just what are your thoughts when, when that name comes to mind? Because we have so many great memories of him, of what he did at LSU. And we also know, you know, how he essentially has kind of turned his career and life around. Yeah, there's six. I think there's six total uh, Tigers in that matchup. And you talk about both of the running backs and starting running backs for both sides of football. But you talk about uh, Matthew and his job as far as, I don't want to say the trick Brady, but you want to have to be, you have to be able to bait him. I mean, and, and he's a situation exactly like you talk about Todd Bowles when you're matched up against Mahomes is how can I slow that process down where I can get involved either from uh, a disruption standpoint or I can make a play on a football. And so, you know, you're really proud for, 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 for the Honey Badger, for Matthew, uh, just because of the overall growth from the overall growth. I mean, you know what he was able to do, obviously, at LSU, and then he goes out to Arizona. He's able to have some success there. Goes to Houston, has a little success there, but Houston doesn't want to pay him. So he finds a situation. He goes over with Spags, uh, Spagnoli, as far as the defensive coordinator, and Spags, you know, we didn't get this experience from him, but when he was with the Giants, uh, having the wide defensive ends and having a ball hawk on the back end. That's what he needs for his defense to be able to really, really flourish. And so they have some good players up front. I really like Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones can give some problems uh, to Tampa Bay uh, if Chris is motivated and if he's disciplined. I mean, because he can he can, he can, can kind of be haywire a little bit, but Chris Jones can be a problem. But when you talk about the Honey Badger, his ability to be able to cover break, because I, don't, I think Gronkowski is the problem inside the twenty. They don't go to him a lot uh, outside of the red zone, but it's Cameron Brait who they kind of use. So you talk about him being able to cover Cameron Brait, but also be able to play that center field where he's going to have to try to break up a play 
you know, particularly when you talk about some of the play action stuff that uh, Tampa Bay likes to run. Deuce, you mentioned that you haven't watched a lot of the football shows and things like that. One of the storylines this week was, um, you know, the GOAT status and the fact that Tom Brady can secure his GOAT status if he beats Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. But if he does it, it kind of puts things into question because Patrick Mahomes, it looks like he will be attending many Super Bowls in the future. Do you have a take on that one way or the other? Just look at my record. You know, look at look at look at look at look at what I've been able to accomplish. You know, it's something to be able to talk about. But I mean, look at what I've been able to accomplish. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, uh, it's a good talking point. It's a good it's something for us to be able to talk about and debate upon. Uh, but it, you know, for his era, he is the best quarterback that has ever played the game, and possibly the best quarterback period uh, that has played the game. Now, here, here's the thing: we assume that Patrick Mahomes will stay healthy. Uh, will be with a, a, a talented team for you know the rest of the eight nine years whatever it is that that, that contract uh, it is available. We know what Tom Brady has already done. You know we know exactly what he he's done, and we assume that Patrick Mahomes will still stay on this wild you know trajectory that he is on. And so that's just an assumption for us. And so I'm going to take the known. Uh, and, and, and basically look at what he's done and, you know, hopefully knock on wood in, in 15 to 20 years, we can revisit that conversation and say, well, Mahomes started off hot, but, you know, maybe he, he, he fizzled for three or four years, didn't have the talent around it. He was able to get another two somewhere on the back end of his career. Uh, but, you know, I, I like the known more so than the unknown and uh, taking on the projection. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, dude. I mean, Tom Brady's got six of those things. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes one. And so, you know, six is bigger than one is last I checked. And you know, I might be wrong. My math is kind of rusty. And you well, know, we got we got common core math. So Jay, yeah, you have they, to watch yeah, they, yeah, we got common core. We got the new math. We got all these kinds of things. So, you know, last I checked, six was more than one. And one dude has been the more Super Bowl. He's been the Super Bowl almost every other year of his career average now i don't know i'm i'm, I'm, I'm with you dude so i'm gonna take the no i don't know if any of us will be on first take anytime soon i think we all agree <laughs> with each other way too much uh dude's last question before we let you go and jd i'm gonna have you answer this one too gut feeling do you have a gut feeling are you swaying one side or the other when it comes to sunday jd you want to go yeah i'll go um um gut feeling i just feel like even with the depleted offensive line, I just think Patrick Mahomes can do things that you you cannot teach. Um, now he's going to need time to do those things, but I think I think he'll he'll manufacture it. If they need to go to a quick passing game, they can do that because they got folks who can do that. Um, they could run it if they were so inclined. So you know, I think they might even lean some on, on that. And I forget you know always forget that they have Le'Veon Bell on that team if they wanted to try to go that route too on the running game. So I just, I just like them. I like Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey actually. And um, I think he gives them an advantage uh, that, that you don't ordinarily have, especially from the tight end position. Well, since I'm in my hating mood, you know, there's no way that I can, <laughs> can, can pick Tampa Bay. You know, like I said, my, 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 the key factor for me is Tampa Bay. If they can get pressure, you know, w with that front four. If they don't have to blitz and you know, 
Mahomes doesn't have time to be able to distribute the football and it's all quick game, then that obviously favors Tampa Bay. But even if that is the the case, I still like Mahomes in this matchup. Um, I don't think he's phased by going down by 14, going down by 17. I think they're fine. I mean, if that's the situation, I think they're fine in that type of game. I can't say the same about uh, Tampa Bay if that is the case, you know, because the, the doubt starts to creep in, even though that first matchup, it was kind of the same situation. Tampa went up. I mean, uh, Kansas City went up big and, and ended up being a 24-21 game. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay was able to rally there uh, towards the end. But I think at the end of the day, you just have too many weapons uh, on, on that Kansas City side of the football. And then also, uh, let's see how special teams – let's see how special teams plays a factor into this game because um, we know from experience uh, – the punt coverage unit for Tampa Bay is not very good. And there are two absolutely dynamic returners for Kansas City. Not only Tyreek Hill, but uh, what's the young man from Georgia? He had a couple Hardman. 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 He is lightning quick, lightning fast. And so uh, if he's able to get any room as far as in the punt return game, that could be a difference maker, particularly when you talk about uh, close matchups where defenses are making plays uh, and, and, and now Tampa Bay, instead of having to be able to drive the football uh, 70 yards, they're at 85. Kansas City, because of punt returns, their are average starting field position is 37 yards and now they only have to drive at 65 yards. You know, you get two first downs, you're already in field goal range. So little things like that in a big matchup or a, a matchup where they're evenly close, they, 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 they take, they tend to show up. Well, we'll have to see if Andy Reed's getting another cheeseburger uh, on following double, on Sunday. So we'll double have cheeseburger, to- not, not a single. He gets a double. Yeah. He gets a okay. double. Andy so. Reed's going to get a double cheeseburger regardless. Okay. So he's looking for an excuse to say it, but he's going to get a cheeseburger regardless. Regardless with a shake on the side. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we'll do so. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on. And of course, JD, always good to have you on. Thank you, guys. Man, I feel like sometimes Deuce McAllister, when I interview him, I just kind of get so tuned in and I forget that I'm hosting sometimes because his insight is just so spot on that you just kind of feel like you're watching television and you just want to kick back and listen. So uh, great insight from Deuce McAllister on this weekend's Super Bowl. That is at 5.30 p.m. If you don't know, it is at 5.30 p.m. Central. You can watch on CBS. You can also watch on NFL Network. I'm sure we will all be tuned in uh, watching some Chiefs versus Buccaneers action. I wish, of course, the New Orleans Saints were in the Super Bowl. We all wish that, but uh, I digress. Um, A quick reminder, as I reminded you earlier in the week, the season recaps for the New Orleans Saints for your favorite members of the Black and Gold are available now on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. So far, we've gone through Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, and Demario Davis. Uh, we will go through our own recaps of those uh, next on next week's episode, so be sure to tune into those. Uh, but if you want to get a jump start and go ahead and review Uh, Those players, again, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, and Demario Davis, all of their season recaps available right now on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. 
All right, Saints fans, hopefully you have a happy and safe weekend. Don't forget if you are a Pelicans fan, Pelicans play on Friday night against the Indiana Pacers at 6 p.m. And of course, on Saturday, they return to the Smoothie King Center for their second game of a back-to-back to take on the Memphis Grizzlies right there inside the Smoothie King Center at 8 p.m. So if you are a Pelicans fan, be sure to go watch that before we get into the Super Bowl on Sunday. Okay, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Deuce McAllister, thanks so much for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CBS.